Hello, friend. Welcome to the Whole Word Podcast. This is Pastor Pitts Evans. On this podcast, we read and discuss one chapter of God's Word per episode. Let's go now to the Bible and see what the Lord has for us today. Our last chapter ended with a healing on the Sabbath. And so today, we're going to read from Mark chapter 3, and it starts with another healing on the Sabbath. Verse 1, Another time Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, Which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and, deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake, and a large crowd from Galilee followed. When they heard about all that he was doing, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, and the regions across the Jordan and around Tyre and Sidon. Because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him and to keep the people from crowding him. For he had healed many, so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. Whenever the impure spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You're the Son of God! But he gave them strict orders not to tell others about him. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve so that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. These are the twelve he appointed, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. To them he gave the name Boanerges, which means sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, He's out of his mind. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, He's possessed by Beelzebub. By the prince of demons, he's driving out demons. So Jesus called them over to him and began to speak to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end is come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. Truly, I tell you, people can be forgiven all of their sins and every slander they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. He said this because they were saying he has an impure spirit. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent one in to call him. 
A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers? he asked. Then he looked around at those seated in a circle around him, and he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. We read about the calling of the disciples after the healing that takes place on the Sabbath. In verse 13, Jesus went up on a mountainside, and he called to him those he wanted, and they came to him, and he appointed twelve that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach. And so this is the calling of the twelve. And I want you to notice a couple of things. First, it says he called them to him, and they came to him, emphasis on to him. Verse 14 says, he appointed 12 so that they might be with him. Now, that's the first thing. Yeah, they're going to eventually be sent out to preach and to heal and cast out devils. But the first thing, he appointed 12 so that they might be with him. Friends, the same can be said of you and I as disciples of Christ. The first order of business is always that we were called to be with him. He's not so much interested in what we can do as what we become. And we become transformed in the presence of the Lord Jesus. And so, friends, today he's talking to me and talking to you so that we might first be with him. And yes, he sends us out to preach. I'm out on the radio today preaching. But if I'm preaching on the radio without having first been with him, then I have nothing of substance to convey to you or to anyone else. However, if I've spent time with Jesus, the words that I speak carry spirit and life just like his did. And so you and I are called first and foremost as disciples of Jesus Christ to be with Jesus. He called us to himself because he wanted to be with us. And so as we're with him, we're transformed, we become equipped, we become healed, we become enabled to be sent out, and then ultimately we're sent out. Jesus was not initially recognized as the Messiah in his generation, and I think you know this. But even his own family had doubts about him. When they heard all of this that was going on in this chapter, what he was doing with healing on the Sabbath and casting out devils and telling people their sins were forgiven and so forth, as in chapter 2, when his family heard about this, the Bible says they came to take charge of him, for they said he's out of his mind. Now, this is interesting on a lot of levels, but it had been prophesied about the Messiah that he would be a man of sorrows, Isaiah prophesied that he would be a man of sorrows, rejected, despised. And so even his own family rejected him as the Messiah. Yes, it's true. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, by and large, did not recognize him or receive him as the Messiah. Some did, but most did not. He was rejected by them. He was rejected by many in many different situations. And so this was prophesied of him. But imagine the sorrows, the pain of rejection from his own family. If anybody should have known who he was, it was his own family. And yet we're led to believe only Mary knew for sure who he was until the resurrection. And he revealed himself to his brothers after the resurrection. And uh, his half-brother James and his half-brother Jude or Judah became leaders in the early church and wrote two books of the New Testament. And so Jesus was not recognized as the Messiah, but he continued to cast out demons and do miracles. In verse 22, the teachers of the law came down from Jerusalem, and they said, He's possessed by Beelzebub. By the prince of demons, he's driving out demons. And so they thought Jesus was operating in demon spirit power, but Jesus was operating in Holy Spirit power. And so they continued, Jesus called them over and began to speak to them and said, How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. 
If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand, and his end has come. So Jesus was using logic of sorts, telling them that it didn't make sense for Satan to be casting out Satan, or for Satan to be casting out his demonic allies, that this was not a reasonable thing because he was destroying his own kingdom. He was removing his beachheads, if you will, in people's lives in the form of demon spirits. And the fact that they told others that Jesus was doing this by the power of the prince of demons was just a lie. First, Jesus started by telling them it wasn't reasonable. Then he went on to say that this, attributing the power of the Holy Spirit to the power of demons, is an unforgivable sin. Verse 28, Truly I tell you, people can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter, But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. And verse 30 says specifically, he said this because they were saying he has an impure spirit, i.e., this prince of demon spirit within him. And so Jesus said to call the Holy Spirit and the works done in the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, works that are being done by the devil or a demon, that this is blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And um, people from time to time will ask me, what is the unforgivable sin? Well, it's attributing the power of God to the devil. And if you think about it logically, how can you be saved by the Holy Spirit of God if you think the spirit in operation is the devil? And so uh, we need to be careful with the things that we say. And if you've misspoken and thought something wasn't God and uh, maybe thought temporarily it was um, something demonic and then later found out it was the Holy Spirit, I don't believe this is the the unforgivable sin. I think the pattern of rejecting the true work of the Spirit of God and declaring that to be demonic is unforgivable. I believe that's what Jesus is talking to. Friends, he goes on to talk about his family, and he said that whoever does God's will are his brothers and sisters and mother. And so I want to ask you today, are you among those that are Jesus's brothers and sisters and mothers? Are you doing the will of God? Are you in the family of Jesus Christ? Have you heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and received the king of the gospel, Jesus himself? You see, Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And so we've all got to recognize that we're born as human beings. We're not born into eternity, but we can be born into eternity. We can be born again as citizens of the kingdom. And the Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Friends, that's me, that's you, that's every man and woman who's ever lived. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, and we've all been separated from God by our sins. The Bible also says in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so provision has been made for my sins and your sins in Jesus. Provision has been made for me to be born again and you to be born again through Jesus. Eternal life is only found through Jesus Christ our Lord. And there may be some of you out there who were once walking with the Lord, but you're like sheep going astray. Now, friends, today is the day that you return to Jesus, the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And so, friends, if you're away from the Lord, or if you've never received Jesus, I want you to pray with me today. Lord Jesus, you say that in your own words, in your own heart. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner separated by my sin. Lord, I ask you to forgive my sin. Lord, I ask you to cleanse me. I ask you, Lord, that I would be born again or be able to return to you now. 
Lord, forgive my sins and restore my soul. Lord, I love you. I want to commit my life to you here and now. Save me. Amen. Friends, if you've prayed that prayer, let me know or someone know who loves Jesus and tell someone about your newfound faith. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Whole Word. It was brought to you by Whole Word Fellowship and the Northern Virginia House of Prayer. If you were encouraged, please share our podcast with your friends. We'd also appreciate it if you'd hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app and take a few moments to write a review. If you'd like more information on our church and our ministry, you can go to wholeword.net or wholewordpodcast.com for more information. Thank you again, and may the Lord Jesus bless you today and always.